Our guest on Personally Speaking is the great soccer star, Ryan Hollingshead, who is an extraordinary athlete and an even better person. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimosanti. An American soccer star, Ryan Hollingshead, joins me now. Ryan plays as defender for FC Dallas in Major League Soccer and is a fan favorite who has been with the team for eight seasons. In 2019, Ryan was voted the MVP by the FC Dallas fans. In 2017, he was named MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year after putting his career and life on the line to help a stranded car on the highway And in 2013, Ryan opted to skip his rookie year to help build a church in his hometown of Sacramento with his brother. Ryan is married to Taylor, and together they have three children. He's here with us today to talk about his life, his career in soccer, and what matters to him the most, his faith and his family. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, American soccer player Ryan Hollingshead. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on our program. First thing I got to ask you, I think it's one of the coolest names in the world. Hollingshead, tell us about it. Yeah, honestly, I need to do more research and figure out exactly exactly where it's from. <laughs> from my very limited knowledge of it. I believe it's English and I believe it is, I think I, I'm. this could just be my parents blowing smoke, but I think they were saying that it was uh, coming from some line of like royalty in England or something. So that wow. would be cool or true. But yeah, I, I really don't know. England, England is my, uh, okay. My best guess. What about mommy's maiden name? Herbst is her maiden name, which is definitely Herbst. German. So I know. Right. Yeah. H E R B S T. So it's a, it, that's German for sure. I know her side of the family is all German. Okay. Um, but yeah, dad's side there. Yeah. Dad's side is calling said, I don't know. I think hopefully English. All right. Now for our listeners and watchers around the world, uh, Ryan's got an interesting story aside from being this terrific uh, soccer player, Ryan, uh, I don't know anybody who hasn't driven by an accident on a major road and uh, hoped that somebody somewhere would do something about that situation. Most of us, if we're honest, don't stop. You stopped and doing that almost cost you your life. What is it in Ryan that makes him say, honey, watch the car. I'm going to go into traffic in an ice storm to try to help somebody. Yeah, it was, um, man, it was, it was two things. One, it's my, you know, my faith as a believer trying yeah. to always be, uh, trying to always have margin in my life to, mm. to be helpful, right. To be the one that can stop, to be the one that can, uh, lend a hand, be a neighbor, uh, all those sorts of things. And so, um, I've always, I've always just had that thought process of wanting to be the person who's willing to, yeah. take the extra 10, 15 minutes out of my day to help somebody who's really in need, you know? And I think so much of, of culture right now and so much, honestly, of my life, having three young kids is there's not a ton of margin. There's not a lot of extra time where I feel like I can stop for 10 minutes. And so I try to build that time in. And um, this, this specific situation, it was one of those where it was like, 
everything had happened so quickly. I just felt like I was the only person there who saw what had happened and felt like I needed to be the one to, to pull over. And so um, obviously if I were to do it again, I would, I would reconsider some things and then do it in a, <laughs> a safer way. But um, I, I stand by, you know, I stand by my decision and ultimately the Lord protected me through yeah. um, the accident. And, you know, we can, we can get into that as much as, uh, as much as you want, but uh, it's, it's a long story. But, but Ryan Holly says, I guess, Ryan, after that moment, first of all, you talk about the fact in interviews that you wanted to make sure you weren't paralyzed, but there was obviously when you get in a situation like that, the real possibility you would be on your way heading home to God. Would you have been ready for that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I absolutely would have been. And uh, it's weird as a believer, right? Like Paul says, uh, to live is uh, to die is gain and to live is Christ. And so mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's one of those where it's like I know that uh, mentally, and I can understand that thought. It's a different thought thinking about a wife and three young kids mm -hmm. and leaving them behind and what that means. And so there is some mental assent to yes, I I absolutely um, do trust uh, that to to be with Christ is gain, and mm -hmm. that is ultimately where we are heading uh, and where I'm heading. But it's it's you know as a father and as a believer trying to just provide and take care of my wife and kids. It's a hard, it's a hard situation. My, when the accident happened in this specific example, uh, my wife was actually pregnant, oh. three months pregnant with my baby girl, or I guess a month and a half pregnant with my baby girl. And we didn't know it yet. Wow. So we figured out about two weeks after the accident that she was pregnant. Oh. Um, and so just considering all of those things and thinking what it would have been like to never meet my daughter, I mean, I could, you know, I could sob just thinking about it right now. So, yeah. um, no, the Lord is faithful, but yeah, I was, I was ready and I, I am ready today. I'm ready for whenever his timing is. He numbers our days, not me. And so whenever those days end, um, I'll be, I'll be glad to see him. Ryan, uh, when he was already damaged at that point, made a, a beeline to get back to Taylor, his wife, because now he's worried about her being in danger. That that inclination to want to help the poor guy who crashed his car uh, to take care of my wife to make sure she's not going to be hurt. Is that a value system that you were born with? Is that one your parents gave to you? Uh, that that desire to be there to help where I can. Again, where's it from? Yeah, it's from the Lord and it's from the Holy Spirit. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, okay. Christian faith was not important to us growing up. Uh, it was actually my oldest brother. So I have, I have three brothers. My oldest brother uh, got connected to a local church and started to read his Bible and, and got saved, kind of started to believe the truths of, of uh, the Bible and to believe in Jesus. And mm -hmm. in that kind of transition for him into salvation, he began reaching out to us, his brothers. And so he was the one that gave me my first Bible and wow. told me to start reading it. And of course I put it on my shelf and I was teenager at that point and thought, uh, yeah. I've got, uh, I've only got so much time for other things. And so, um, it wasn't until about two years after that, that I, I picked that Bible up and started reading it. And the Lord just through the Holy spirit changed my heart and, uh, brought a dead heart to life. And so, uh, wow. changed all my desires. And uh, I think in that process, right in that process, James talks about it, that we don't, uh, we don't, uh, work for our salvation, but in mm -hmm. the response to that salvation, right. there are works. And so I, I feel that kind of that, that love for neighbor, that love for others, that desire to serve has just been born out of that. It wasn't something I really had or, or felt pre, um, pre salvation. And then, uh, that's something that's completely changed post salvation. We were just talking about that in church recently, uh, 
You don't have to do all these good works to get the salvation. He earned it for you. And so somebody says at church, well, then why do anything good? Well, precisely yeah. because he saved you, you know? And exactly. In, yeah, in Thanksgiving. Now, let's go back to Taylor for a second. Uh, Ryan, most weekends I celebrate weddings. And when I do, I want to know from the couple, not from some priest head, like why of the billion people out there, is this the one for you? When you had to make a decision to embrace that vocation of marriage with Taylor, what did Taylor bring to your life that made you say, no doubt about it, this is this is God's gift to me? Well, she was just a phenomenal friend. Um, when I first met Taylor, she was not a believer either. She had not ah. grown up in the church. She did not love the Lord. And I saw there was a lot of things that I saw in her that I really liked and thought, man, this girl is different. But there was also, also a couple of things that just didn't click well, that things that, especially without her faith, that I couldn't wrap my mind around. And then through uh, our relationship and a couple other friends and friendships that we had, she began coming to a, a ministry that we were putting on, started reading her Bible, got saved. And then some of that transition of her salvation, um, these things that were maybe a little bit um, difficult for me or things that I had thought were like maybe a little cheesy or things like that, they just got redeemed in the, in the most beautiful way and became things about her that I loved most about her. And so um, for me, uh, it was it was finding somebody that was so set on the same mission of pursuing Jesus that I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, so many things. She's beautiful. I love her personality. She's so funny. She's so creative. All of those things that I love about her. But she also just had this deep desire to pursue Jesus in all things, to raise her kids uh, in a godly home. It was like those sorts of things that just caught my eye. And I was like, oh, she's, she's different. This is special. And then obviously, you know, this too, once you say I do, you're in it for, in it for life. So, <laughs> right, right. And then right. from there, you know, we've been married for eight years now. And from there, so many things have changed, but our pursuit has been growing towards Jesus together. And, and we've done that every day. That's a wonderful thing. We've had a couple of guests on, especially in the acting community. When I asked them the question, could you marry someone who didn't share your love for Jesus Christ. And they all say the same thing. It would be really tough. So you're saying it's essential. It's essential. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I couldn't, not even really tough. I just, I could not do it. It would just be, and now raising kids and having young kiddos and just seeing how important it is that the most foundational part of who I am also lines up with the most foundational part of who she is and the way we want to raise our kids. It would be, for me, it would be impossible to do it any other way. Ryan and Taylor have done something interesting, which most people don't get a chance to do, aside from their own biological children. They've taken on the challenge of being foster parents with the hope to adopt. Tell us a little bit about the decision that went into, we want to look into fostering and, uh, and how adoption has gone. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a great experience, a really okay. difficult experience, but a great experience. And it all was birthed out of our love to be pro-life. Uh, Mm. My wife and I are very pro-life and we just kept saying that with our mouths and wanting to back that up with our actions and say, okay, if we're pro-life, what does that mean? It means entering into situations where um, the, the vulnerable, the, uh, these, these kiddos that don't have anybody in their corner that we are entering into those spaces and saying, okay, if I'm pro-life, how can I, how can I put forward an environment Mm. where these kids can thrive? Right. And so that's what led us to fostering. Uh, It was Mm. a way to, uh, to really play that out and flesh that out. Um, And we just learned really quickly in the fostering process. It was uh, it's broken in so many ways. There's a lot of things that need to be changed. And we thought, 
rather than pointing fingers and saying this needs to be changed and that needs to be changed. We thought, why not join and enter in and change it from the inside, like be a part of the change. And so that's what really drew us to it. And so we got a placement. We've got a couple placements now where kiddos have come into our home and then been reunited with their families. Um, and that's just been so beautiful, right. To watch these parents work diligently to um, fulfill kind of the things they're asked to fulfill, to be able to accept their kiddos back into their home. That's a beautiful picture, watching them reunited, watching the redemption that God um, can kind of bring through that reu- reunification. And then there's the, this last placement that we had, his name is uh, Amari, now Amari Hollingstead. He's been officially adopted as of oh. two months ago. Cool. Um, and, uh, and that was a placement that, you know, parents weren't doing what they needed to be doing, weren't kind of making any, any effort. And so, uh, there was about a year and a half long process of him being in, into our home until, um, CPS and some other agencies were like, would you guys adopt him? And of course we were at that point smitten and, and right. so excited to adopt him. So let me ask you just cause this is, I digress for a second, but uh, you are a real adult doing adult things. <laughs> But at the same time, you have this incredible uh, childlike enthusiasm when you talk about anything in which you believe. A lot of adults lose that somewhere along the way. How did Ryan Hollingshead keep his his joy, his enthusiasm, his zest for life? Well, that's a great that's a great question, and I don't know that I'm going to have an answer for you on that one, or you know, or something that's like a rinse and repeat for for somebody else. But <laughs> I think it it comes with a lot of like. Uh, I don't want to say dedication. I want to say more discipline, right? There's just a lot of things in life that are, uh, that if you really care about them, you'll pursue them. And so that means for me, like I said, making time to, to have margin in my life, making time to have spaces where when life happens and things come up, I can be the one that can pause and stop my schedule that I'm not always just racing from one thing to the next, you know, it means Sabbathing with my family. It means reading my Bible daily. It means praying. Mm -hmm. It means like setting up these disciplines that are, you know, in the moment really hard, especially with young kids waking up at 6am and you're coming (laughs) and jumping on the bed. It's like, if I want time with the Lord, then it's gotta be five 30. And so (laughs) it's, uh, but it's setting up those disciplines, knowing that, um, that those will kind of drive this deep desire to love the Lord, love my wife, love my family. And then ultimately the joy that comes from that is, you know, it's, it's the undescribable. Like I'm so grateful for it and, and having become a believer late in life or later in life, knowing mm-hmm. who I was and what I was and what I was pursuing before Jesus. And then what I, who I am and what I am and what I'm pursuing after Jesus, mm-hmm. I just, there's just no way I'm going back, you know? So I'm um, just so grateful for for um, that salvation. Ryan, you know, uh, if I said my church to the 700 at Mass, how many of you have a Bible at home? Yeah, all the hands go up. How many of you have cracked the cover this week? Much fewer. What, yeah. what, what do we do to get people to not just own the Bible, but to allow it to be the living Word of God that they actually crack open? It's so hard, right? And you you balance that, uh, the difficulty of, of having it be a chore where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I just have to do this. I have to do this versus it being a joy. Of like, I get to do this. I want to do, to do this. And so I don't know. I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen so many things of setting timers, setting reminders, setting all those things. And mm-hmm. my philosophy has always been like, 
start the discipline. Even if your heart is not on board, start the discipline and your heart will follow. Like if you're always just letting your heart be the leader and your heart being like, okay, I'll do it. If I, if I'm excited about it, I won't do it. If I'm not excited about it. I'm like, it's going to be hard to get excited about it. And and what I'd rather say is like, how about we just start it? Let's do it. Let's start these processes in place let's get into it. And I, I'm sure that the Lord will meet you there. And in that kind of discipline, you'll see the joy of um, being in the word daily. Um, there's a, a great golfer. You probably know him, Bubba Watson, and we had him on recently. And he talked about the fact that he's now come to see that golf is a wonderful thing and he likes it, but it's not the meaning of his life. It's just something he does. What his life is, is his life in God, his life with his wife, his life with his kids. You kind of did it the other way, Ryan, in that uh, when all, all the people want in athletics is to be successful, to be offered that contract. You get offered that contract and say, later, guys, because I'm going to help build a church in Sacramento with my brother. Why did you, I guess what I'm, I'm thinking of my friend, Mike Komisar, who is professional hockey from six. It was the sport, the sport, the sport. You were raised mm-hmm. with this great talent. And yet yeah. early on, it, it didn't consume you. You knew that there was something else. How come? Yeah, that was a, that was a tough decision. Uh, yeah. It was not easy. You know, even, even talking about it now, people are like, well, how did you make that decision so simply? <laughs> I'm like, it was not, it was not simple. There were, you know, nights, sleepless nights. There yeah. were many, many conversations. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, outside of being cheesy and saying, I felt like the Lord was calling me to it. Um, I also had a deep, deep tie to my oldest brother who was the pastor Mm -hmm. of that church. And, Mm -hmm. um, as I shared earlier, he was the one that first shared the gospel with me, gave me my first Bible, had pursued me in just such a beautiful way, uh, in such a loving way as a, as an older brother. I think that there was just some sort of like, uh, commitment to him and commitment to what he was doing a commitment to this church that, um, really went past a lot of other, um, uh, commitments that I, that I had. And so, uh, you know, growing up playing soccer, loving the sport, thinking, you know, thinking that I had this opportunity to go play, it was not easy turning that down, but there was something in front of me. And I, I, I kind of say it like, you've got these just two beautiful options and you're not going to go wrong with either one. And, and ultimately, I did feel the Lord's calling me to it, but ultimately because of my faithfulness to step out of soccer and into planting that church with my brother, really not knowing how long that would take or if I'd ever be able to come back. But because of that, the Lord was, the Lord was faithful and uh, has allowed me to do both. And now I'm, you know, going into my ninth year as a professional footballer. And it's just, um, it's just crazy. I wouldn't have expected that when I had, uh, you know, turned down that first contract. Yeah, I want to go back to something you said before, Ryan. Uh, you said, well, we did this because we're pro-life. Last week, Bill McGurin from the Wall Street Journal was on our program, and uh, he has three adopted children from China. What's the reason? I'm pro-life. I believe this life is sacred. Your, your wife and you had these two uh, children of your own first. So you had to have seen the sonograms, and you see, hey, no question about it. That's life, folks. Yeah, that's life. Do yeah. you have any insight as a guy who believes in the sacredness of life in how people can look at those pictures and not believe. No, I don't. It's so hard for me to even wrap my mind around that, uh, you know, that process or that argument of how that's not life. To me, yeah. it seems like it's uh, a lot more about um, ease or convenience than it is about really considering whether it's life or not. Um, you know, the other the other big argument for me is like the the choice, right? Women's yeah. choice or having it be a choice, but 
nobody's considering the choice for the baby in the womb. Like why doesn't, why doesn't she or he have a choice either? And so it's, it's a really difficult conversation. I, you know, I'm really close with uh, a couple single moms in my, uh, my church and my home group that I, I walk life with. And I know just the difficulty of kids being raised outside of a, a loving home. And I know mm-hmm. the pressure, I know the pressure to, to avoid that difficulty through abortion. And so it's, I don't say it as one that doesn't, that doesn't know, but I think when you look at um, what Jesus says about life in yeah. scripture, there's no, there's no way around it. And, and the goal should be then for us as believers to say, okay, it's going to be hard. How can I come around you? How can I structure my life around your life to help, to give you all that space to uh, open my door to my home, you know, open my, my bedroom. So your kids can sleep here. Like what, what can we do? Um, What can we do to solve that, to solve that issue? So that's, that's the hardest. I mean, that's, that's the real goal right there. You know, uh, there was Cardinal John O'Connor was the Archbishop of New York, and he almost bankrupted the archdiocese, but he said a long time ago, any woman of any faith, of any background who needs help financially or otherwise, uh, we get, we're going to give it. And uh, he knew in doing that, what he was dealing with was the argument that, well, you people love life, but you're not going to be there for the person who's really in, in a crisis. And you're saying that's precisely what we have to do. Precisely exactly. what we have to do. Okay, yeah. now, now let me ask you this. In athletics, I presume that the body is important. Therefore, I'm wondering how well, Ryan, have you processed? How am I going to handle aging? Am I okay with stepping away from sports when I have to? Am I conscious of my body aging? Am I conscious of what's the next stage of life for me? Yeah, I think um, it's two things. One, in athletics, professional athletics, you go in with a uh, with a timer on you, right? Yeah. You go in <laughs> knowing that I'm going to be retiring before you know, my body's going to give out before my mind will, you know, I'm going to have to hang up the boots before my mind wants to, or, you know, maybe I'm processing the game still quickly, but I, you know, the body can't do it anymore. So it's a little different in that you come in with that expectation. You come in knowing that even a great career is ending at, you know, 35, Mm -hmm. maybe late thirties would be a great career. We talk about Tom Brady right now, right? 40s and we're just like this is insane what he's doing <laughs> right at 40 years old and he's still 40 like how young is 40 years old it's still so yeah. young right and but in the sports world it's not so uh so i think part of that is i'm prepared right like we we know it's coming the other part of it is uh there's no fear like in being a, a son of god and 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 having jesus as the priority in the household and the family and the life uh, there's no fear in, in losing soccer or moving on to a different occupation because the goal isn't soccer. The goal is Jesus. And yeah. if something else leads me, you know, if something else needs to be what I do for work to, to pursue the things that I want to pursue, then great. Now, obviously, uh, we, we love what we do as athletes. We have, we have, you know, a, an amazing job and I, I wouldn't change it for the world, but um, for me, it's more about how can I honor God and what I'm doing, whether that's yeah. playing professional athletes, whether that's washing dishes at home, cleaning diapers, like whatever I need to be doing. Um, how can I honor God in that? Is ministry a possibility for you? It is. And it always has been, it's been in the back of my mind. I would love to pursue, you know, eldership or to pursue, um, some sort of pastoral ministry. Um, I don't know what that looks like quite yet. Right. Uh, I have taken some, some classes just, just for fun through 
some some local seminaries uh, around me in, in Texas. And so there's definitely a desire there. There's definitely a desire to you know, join back up with my brother. He's, he's still mm-hmm. out in Northern California, um, pastoring that church and it's just thriving. So there's, there's a, there's a lot of things I could see the Lord doing, but, uh, haven't, haven't made that decision quite yet. Right. I want to thank you so much for being a, a guest on our program. Is, is there anything you want to leave our, our viewers with our listeners with in terms of, uh, you've made some terrifically heroic choices because you love the Lord, you love your family. Uh, you want to encourage other people, I guess, let me put it this way. Mark Bavaro uh, used to play for the New York Giants. When he was at Notre Dame University, he said that uh, what got his Catholic faith active is that a lot of guys on the team were uh, evangelicals who took their faith seriously and say, Mark, why aren't you closer to Christ? Yeah. But when you're dealing with your teammates and other people in the business, do you bring that up? Yeah, all the time. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too ashamed to, uh, <laughs> to share the gospel. Love having conversations about it. Love talking about Jesus. I, I really am convinced that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so yeah. Um, it's, yes, yes, I, I love those conversations. The guys are very receptive. We have a ton of really good conversations. We're also on road trips all the time together, right? We're stuck on airplanes for right, right. three, four hours together, bus rides all together. It's, you know, it's the perfect place to have those conversations, and, and we have them often. And Ryan, what do you say to the guy on your team who says, not interested and closes you down? Yeah, that does happen. Uh, it yeah. does happen. And I'm, I'm not going to be the one to push or try to pry somebody into the kingdom of God. Uh, I do trust the Holy Spirit to work and for God to move and for uh, those things to be handled. But, you know, yeah. m- my job is to, to share the gospel with them. And, and ultimately, my goal, I, I want... I want everybody to be saved. That is my goal. But below that goal is I want everybody to be, I want there to be a day where it's like, you know, I heard the gospel from, from Ryan, you know, if he's, if my teammates are standing before the Lord, standing for Jesus, I want there to be just no doubt. Like, yep, I heard the gospel and it was from Ryan and he told me about it. And then what I I want after that is for Jesus to say, welcome, you know, and, and, and bring them in because they've trusted in him. So that's the goal. But ultimately my goal is to, to, to share it with everybody and then let the Lord do what he's going to do. Ryan just echoed in so many ways what the Lord himself said when he said, it is the will of my father that no one should be lost. And that's what Ryan wants to. Ryan, thank you so much for being on our program. God bless you. And keep that enthusiasm. It's got me excited about what I do for a living. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah, tell, tell, Tell Taylor we send love to and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, my friend. As we end today's program, I thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can get me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to see past episodes, go to YouTube and punch in Personally Speaking with Monsignor General Santi. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast, personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Or you can go to www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org and you'll also find there our weekly mass and homilies I'm going to encourage you also to look on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Osanti. we're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast please share and let others know about Personally Speaking I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking our producer is Lisa Jandovitz thanks so much for joining us we'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.